Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, have you ever been like in the mood to eat something and then you can't get it? Like if you go to a restaurant and they're out of it, like you go specifically for something on the menu and they're out. Well, that happened the other day to me, but I was going to cook at home. And me and Joanna were going to watch Ray Donovan on Sunday night. And I was in a mood for mussels. So I told her to get a bottle of white wine to cook the mussels in. And I went to the local grocery store and I got mussels. I was all excited, man. I was ready for these mussels. So I put them in the refrigerator at like 10 in the morning. I opened them up at like 6 because we watched the East Coast feed of Ray Donovan, which is great about having a cable that has both East and West Coast feeds because all the idiots on the West Coast ruin every show. I mean, for the East Coast, ruin every show for the people on the West Coast. Like, you know, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I knew it at 6.58 last season, everyone who died. So I sit there and I'm all excited for the mussels and I open them up and half the mussels have opened. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you cannot eat mussels if they already open. So they were all dead. So I had to sit there. I was so pissed off. I drove back to this grocery store, which I'm not going to say because they always, I love them. They're always good stuff. But I had to go and they were out of mussels. So I had to settle for uh, stuffed clams, which were good, but I was looking for mussels. Anyway, enough about that. We have a, we have a great show. And actually, a, a gentleman, my guest today, is actually turns out that he knows a bunch of people I know. It's Jerry Miner. How you doing, Jerry? Good. How are you? Good. No, it's so funny. Well, do you ever do that? Did you ever be in a mood for something to eat and then, then you mm-hmm. go out and then they don't have it? Or you're oh, like, yeah. Like, what has it happened lately? Let's see. I feel like it happens, well... Uh, yeah, go, going to a restaurant that, you know, you, you, you like waited or you talked all week, like I'm going to go here for breakfast or whatever. And you get there and they're like, oh, we're out of the pancakes or we're out of the, right. The thing that everybody loves, you know, <laughs> that happened to me for, uh, for, it was a uh, Easter break brunch and we went to this place and all week I saw they had this, uh, breakfast calzone. I go, it looks so good. Uh-huh. So I'm set on the breakfast calzone and Joanne had her mind set on something else. It was good. I'm like, okay, I, I'll steal some of that. Cause she's small. She won't eat a lot. And then you get there and they go, oh, it's a special, uh, special Easter brunch. We only have limited items. And they had neither of the items. Oh, so. Oh, that sucks. Uh oh, we, we, he's getting. What's your what's your ringtone? That's the old school. Like that's like yeah, the that's, set one. I have the same set one too. Are you on i iPhone or uh, Android? Android. See, I don't like the Android. <laughs> I have the I have the Galaxy Four. I don't I don't like the uh, I don't like the selections. Like there's no like like there's no like the old like, school. And so, oh yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't even like looked through whatever. So, uh, <laughs> so we got to talk about you. So now now I, as I read on you, you were. You were born in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Now, how long did you live in Memphis, though? We moved, my family moved from Memphis when I was six months old. <laughs> okay, so you, you, and you were brought up in Detroit. Uh, yeah, Flint, Flint, Michigan. Flint, Flint okay. Mm-hmm. Now, now which, which is so weird, because, I mean, Flint was, now was Flint, was the economy okay then? Because now they would say it's really on a downscale, but how was it then? No, I, I, I was there during the, uh, during the break. <laughs> so, I guess we moved there, it would have been 68. And um, and then um, I think the at the when I was growing up there during the seventies there was starting to be a decline. So I would say probably around the mid to late seventies they had already General Motors had already started to pull back, started to put plants in uh, in in, um, in Mexico and Canada, and um, so there was already a uh, a feeling that. The um, there was going to be a down a downturn. Okay, now now as a kid, you probably noticed it, but you really didn't notice it. But as a kid, you know, to the comedy because you followed your life in the comedy. As a kid, was your family funny? Was there was did they encourage you, or, or what made you funny, or what made you sit there? Did you watch something? Because a lot of people are saying because Robin Williams passed, how Robin right. Williams had such an influence on so many people. But did you watch anybody that made you sit there and? say I want to do this or how do you end up in yeah. this career path which is such, and you've, you've written and you've been on TV show I mean you've had a crazy a great very successful career but a crazy career path how'd you get how'd you start on it um, well I mean you know from the small kid being growing up television so people like Robin Williams I and mean, Robin Williams was a really big uh, influence on me um, as watching him I remember the first episode he was on Happy Days do you remember that he yeah, showed up because I, I was talking yeah. about it. he showed up and everyone's like no one knew who he I mean no. we were kids I mean people in the industry knew who he was but right. we had no idea and we're like and it was so weird because Happy Days Happy Days was such a uh, honestly straight like if you could say straight laced white TV show it doesn't work <laughs> I mean the one the one like the only one of the only episodes that were even you know off the skew is when uh 
when Styx was the drummer and he, and he couldn't play because everyone boycotted the party but Fonzie said it was cool and then when Richie that the, the hot to trot divorcee that was like the only time they any, hit any social stuff and for them to have a, a, yeah. a just totally off base to have like a an alien it was crazy <laughs> it was well I mean I think that was at the time that you know the, the show was uh, quote unquote jumping the shark I think right. that that episode <laughs> had happened or was going to happen probably happened in that season so there was a lot of crazy stuff happening um, and yeah I, I just heard an interview this morning with somebody saying um, the idea came up with somebody's son uh, told one of the producer or writer said uh, you know Fozzie should have an alien as a friend <laughs> that's how they that's it's just amazing and, yeah. and then it just started this whole career did you watch Mark from work from work? oh yeah yeah it was one of my favorite shows well you know it, it, it sucked when I was growing up because Mork and Mindy came on Thursdays well first it started out on Tuesdays on ABC I remember this and then it, it moved to Thursdays I grew up at Jehovah's Witness and so I had to go to meetings uh, church meetings whatever um, five times a week and so it fell when they changed the night it fell on a night where I was going to a meeting so I missed it and I hated it I hated it so there was a couple of seasons where I missed it and then our meetings changed and so I started to, I, I picked it back up when like Mirth was on it so I, okay. I was like some seasons that I missed <laughs> but I hate I hate going to school and people talking about it I'm like ah, I don't talk about it I can't now, now, as a Jehovah's Witness, did that did that affect you wanting to do comedy? I mean, was that frowned upon, or because I, mean, I don't know anything about the Jehovah's? Oh Witness yeah, religion. no. I mean, that was I had no uh, intention of doing any kind of comedy. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't do any of that until I um, left the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, How old were you then? Nineteen. Uh, okay. 20? Was it, was it a big thing? Was your family mad at you, or or does that? Yeah, 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 it was a big thing. Yeah, <laughs> what, what made you? What made you decide? You just said, "I don't want to live like this," or I mean, because it's a big step, especially for nineteen. I mean, most of us are just thinking about getting into college, you know, right. and, and what, who's going to get us beer? But right. for that, that's like a that's like a life changing decision. Yeah, well, I had already made the life changing decision to to join, uh, and uh, but I grew up in it with my mom. My my father wasn't, and they were divorced. Um, but uh, she, but she was all the influence that I had, and so she really in, in, indoctrinated me. I mean, like, <laughs> like you know, when you watch like uh, uh, what's the movie with um, uh, the, the they they read a remake of of it um, about this guy who that's like a spy that come that, that's brainwashed um, with Frank Sinatra. Oh, uh, um, 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 uh, the Manchurian Candidate. Manchurian Candidate. That was pretty much done to me. Like, my okay. mother would like, stay up late at night and try to, like, put this stuff in my mind. So, um, but I was always funny. And, um... Now, did kids say you were funny? Were you, were you like, the yes. class clown? Or were you just... Yes. Go, okay. I was a class clown. Were you class clown? No, I was actually... I was... I made people laugh. But the class clown like my, was always a doof. <laughs> and, and and it's like he was like always annoying and it's like and I called him out one time because I knew I was funnier than him and for me when I went to my 30 year reunion someone's like we always knew you'd be in this because you always made us laugh and I go yeah but I never they go you never were like hey you know they just you would make comments mm -hmm. off the cuff and I think that's you know that's, that was sure. my start. So you were a class clown. Did you get in trouble? And did yeah, yeah. Um, but it was the only way that I could really much relate because I couldn't, you know, because of being this Jehovah's Witness kid, I couldn't um, do a lot of extracurricular activities. I couldn't play sports. I couldn't do a lot of things. So the way I could relate to a lot of kids was being funny. And so for me, it was like the weekends, I'd... I'd think of bits to do you okay. know for, <laughs> for monday morning you know it's like oh i can't wait so you were right you were actually putting your act oh, yeah. up before, i mean before like most class counts just go hey hey someone farted but you were actually crafting an act which shows a lot of discipline for you because you most yes. people don't say you were actually getting ready i mean subconsciously you, i guess you were just getting ready for your future because you were actually writing bits i mean that's awesome i think that's why it became so easy for me when i did it and and, and also i had to do um more i guess you know, people like Andy Kaufman, and he, even though he scared me when I was a little kid, he inspired me because I saw somebody doing more than just like, telling jokes. And that's what I wanted to do. And I, th I felt like I was more suited to doing different characters. And so shows like Saturday Night Live were a big influence for me. But I didn't know, how do you do that? Right. How do you, how you work your way up to that? How do I do that by myself? Do I go get a troop? Do I, you know, and a lot of that stuff I didn't really, you know, know or, or be able to investigate until I was an adult. 
and uh, and then I did, and then I found those people who were doing that. And so was, you left the Jehovah Witnesses, and mm-hmm. then then did you gravitate? I know you were involved in Second City, or no? You, did you gravitate towards Detroit, right? Detroit. At first, I started doing stand up. So you know, around the um, you know Lower Michigan area, and at that time, late eighties or early nineties, um, it was still the end of the stand up boom. So there was like a lot of little, little clubs that were doing stand up, and so. Do you ever I, work for Keith Gisser? No, he was, um, he was, Yoder. Yoder, okay. I know the name Yoder. Okay. And there was a guy named Joe Dunkel. I don't know. He he was a comic, but he wore like this condom suit to close his act. But I think he eventually oh, started booking really shows. Familiar. Yeah, he was he was out of Michigan because I worked with him in one of these dead yes. awful like Sandusky, Ohio, or something. Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Toledo. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, I, I convinced. I think my first gig was um, I I convinced uh, Holly Hotel, which I think still does comedy. And I saw Soupy Sales, who was like my hero growing up. You know, growing up in the Detroit area, you know, he had this the show that I watched the uh, the reruns of this black and white show. So he was doing stand up and singing and doing this stuff. I walked in a club and uh, tried out, did a bunch of stolen jokes, jokes, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> bad jokes. But uh, the guy asked me to come back, and that was my start. And also, there was another guy named Jerry Miner, uh, another comic. I don't know if you know him. Wait, there's another Jerry Miner? There's another Jerry Miner, Because there's yeah. a Jerry Diner, too. In New, Ooh, in, really? in New York, there's Jerry Diner, yeah. Uh, I don't know him. But there's there's another Jerry Miner. Now, uh, is he still in the business? He's still, yeah, he's still Because, you know, stuff. it's weird, because, you know, you know uh, Mike Ivey? Mm. He's in all those AT&T commercials. He's oh, yeah, uh-huh, yes. Well, there's a comic named Mike Ivey out of Cleveland, and I think people get them confused sometimes, but it's like, Mike's a comic out of New York, but lives in L.A. now, so it's just funny. So there's another Jerry Miner. There was another Jerry Miner. Yes, I, I met him. I met him at the um, at the comedy store years ago when I first moved here, and uh, we talked about like I was like, you know, when I first started, I would call clubs up and say, "I'm Jerry Miner. I want to come in and do a set." And they go like, "Oh yeah, I think I've heard of you. Come on in." You know, and they see this, and he's a white guy too. And this black guy comes in, I'm like, "I thought you were white." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm I'm black." But, uh, so I was like, "Thank you for helping me yeah. start my career." But. Yeah, after I after I left Jehovah's Witnesses, I would just uh, I started going in the clubs. At first, I started going into like just like just ghetto dance clubs and going, "Hey, can you let me do stand up for a little while?" I didn't know where to go, right? You know, so I was just like, I go to a club that I knew that was you know around the corner from me, and I walk in and go, "Hey." I want to tell some jokes. And so DJ's like, who? Okay. It stopped the record. And like, let's see this guy. Hey, this guy wants to tell jokes and get booed and get stuff thrown at me. And I'm like, I tried. Yeah. Any little, um, you know, stand-up shows, any uh, talent shows. And I ended up meeting a guy, a, uh, a comic, who was a friend of, went to high school with my sister. And he told me where to go. He said, you know, here are the clubs you can go to. Here are the people. You know, you can call up this guy and ask me to get on stage, and this is how you can start. So you went, so you started doing stand-up mores, but when did you start transitioning into uh, the sketch comedy? Because that seems how your career has really gone in that direction. I mean, you weren't, you don't, you know, how did that happen? I know you you were got involved in Second City, but did you go straight to them in Detroit, or how did that come? Uh, no, I uh, I had a group. First of all, I um, I met a lady who was taking classes at Second City. She was rich. She would fly from Detroit to Chicago every weekend to take classes. And she wanted to do a sketch show, and she saw me doing stand-up. And uh, at the time, I was working for uh, General Motors, and she's like, you know, come and uh, do this show with me, and we're, we're going to do it. And, you know, she, she had money, so she could put up the show in the theater that she wanted to. Got a lot of my friends. And out of that group, we decided to get a, make a sketch group. And okay. we, um, we performed at a comedy club, you know, every week. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then they... Um, they built a second city in Detroit. So you went there, audi- auditioned, and you got. Did, okay. did, did you get right in, or mm-hmm. no. that first cast? Uh, that was was uh, was Beltsman out of there? No, Beltsman is I think from Detroit, but he uh, he went to Chicago, which okay. I did end up going to. Chicago right, I know at that. Some point, so but, so yeah. now now you go to Chicago. Now you move to Chicago, uh-huh. and you're doing Second City, and you're hanging out with Frank Barnett, mm-hmm. and Adam <laughs> yes. McKay is out there. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Now was Tompkins there? Or no, Tompkins no. never moved there. Did Paul ever move there? No, he was uh, still in Philadelphia. I didn't know Paul until I moved here. Okay, mm-hmm. so you sitting there and you're kicking around and so you're doing the touring troupe for a second I, I know you did all of them you did like you did detroit you did chicago and you did the toronto touring troupe yeah well i, I did detroit and then what, what ended up happening is that you know they're you know connected obviously second city and uh, i wanted to come to chicago because there wasn't a lot of opportunity in detroit like, right nobody, nobody would come and watch us you know <laughs> 
couldn't get Laura Michaels in a plane. They're like, we, is there a flight that can get us in and out in the same day? <laughs> they couldn't like, nope. get it, so nobody <laughs> would come like, there. Oh, we'll come. So uh, I wanted to move to Chicago. So they ended up um, moving me there um, into a cast there. And um, the same type of thing happened in Toronto where there was just a, an opening. And I kind of wanted to the experience of going to Canada and seeing what it was like. And so I put up a, a show there, too. So you're doing that. And now you're on you're touring around. How long are you with Second City for? Mm, like three and a half years. Okay. And then four then, years. Then the next is you go to Saturday Night Live. Is that is that the transition or what happened? No, actually, uh, I ended up uh, coming here first, and I did uh, Mr. Show. Okay. Um, so I met Bob Odenkirk, who was connected to some people at Second City. He ended up actually um, doing some filming when I was in Detroit at Detroit Second City. Uh, for Mr. Show, for what ended up to be Mr. Show. Uh, they filmed some sketches that they were um, trying to put the show together. They were still shopping it to HBO. And uh, I was in one of those sketches. And so after that, he said, you know, if you ever want to come to L.A., you should look me up. I really like you to do the show. I didn't believe him. I ended up running to him in Toronto again. And he said, hey, uh, that show that I was doing, it's on. It's on the air. And I was like, yeah, I've seen it. It's great. And he's like, you, i got some sketches that I want to do. And somebody like you would be great. Uh, would you read for me? And I auditioned and then ended up moving out there for, you know, moving out here for a couple months. Did um, the first half of the season, liked it, and decided I was going to move to L.A. And then that was it. So you moved up. Where was your first place you lived here? I lived in a, well, I slept on a friend's couch for, I don't know, for six, seven months. Okay. Uh, because at that point, I didn't know if I really wanted to move here. Okay, you yeah. know, so I still I kept my place in Chicago, uh, you know, sublet it out. And then when I moved back, I ended up living in a place in the valley uh, with two friends of mine who, unfortunately, have both passed on. Um, but uh, yeah, we we three of us, three grown men in a two bedroom place. That's all right. Not too bad. So you're doing the Mr. Show, and then then I know you you went on to do a random play. That's where you met Matter, right? That's right. Now you wrote, were you a cast and, member? And Jason Nash too. But yeah, you were, I just saw you. That was a great movie. People just you know Jason Nash. Uh, Jason Nash is married. Really good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you guys were fun. It was good to see you guys because it's so funny. It was like so many people are in that, and he's just such a nice guy. Yes, I mean just positive guy. You know, I, I put social on Facebook, and I want to scope going back to the gym but it bores me and he sent me like this long message of do this do it and i'm like okay that's a little too much you know like, <laughs> you're in good shape i might die if i do that but so you, you do random play and uh-huh. now you're out here you're living in la and then now how does Saturday Night live come up because i know then you know that came out in like 2000 2001 came up a few times i mean I, i'd end up making friends with adam and so uh you know there was some thought uh when i was still in detroit um to, to bring me out an audition that didn't work out And then another time, um, I was working here while me and uh, John Matter were working together. We were working on uh, the Martin Short show, and um, with Toby Huss. With Toby Huss, John tells that story. story. (laughs) (laughs) And Mary Sheary was just a few weeks ago. Oh yes, I saw that. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So yeah, we were working on a show, and I uh, and um, got an audition. Uh, You know, this from the comedy community I'd done a lot of stuff done a lot of shows a lot of one man shows doing a lot of like alternative shows around here at Largo um, in so York, you were you know. doing stand up yeah, uh, yeah. And, I, and I was doing um, and, and I by that time I developed my own kind of thing so I could go into a stand up club and do a character or do a bit or whatever and um, and not necessarily you know tell jokes now I've gone back to like doing straight stand oh you're, you're back the last, okay the last couple of uh, months but um, but yeah I um, when I first came here I was doing a lot of alternative stuff so I could go on and do a character or I could do something else it doesn't work a lot in, in a lot of clubs but um, but here at that time yeah it was it was a really good time for that you know because there was a lot of venues or I could do stuff like that so you get the audition for Saturday Live now you, then you get the job now mm-hmm. you get a job as a writer and a performer mm-hmm. I got a job as a writer okay um, I wasn't necessarily a performer at first um, and, but um, at that time I think Tim Meadows was still on the show when I got hired uh, well yeah I got hired as a writer okay. and then by the time the first show came on I, I was on now was it weird because you all of a sudden you had, you had gotten your roots in here in LA 
uh-huh. you're working and now you have to go to New York. Was yes. that was that weird for you? Because you were like, yeah, yes. you know, it's like, do I really do I really want to go to Manhattan? Because I mean, yes. I'm sorry, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, because L.A. you get used to it and you're working, so it's not uh-huh. like it's not like you're just you're it's not like you're waiting tables. You you have a, a jobs out here. You're yep. writing and. I mean, I you know New York's great, but you know, give me the winner in in L.A. <laughs> and give me the winner in New York, and I'm taking L.A. all the way. I mean, I love the experience that I had. Uh, you know, I wouldn't take it away. And I, and that was the thing is that I I was getting the experience to be able to go and work there every once in a while too. You know, but before I worked there, like the reason I got to meet with Lauren to to in, in the second trip, I, I auditioned. I was gonna audition um, a few years before I actually got on the show, but I was tied to the Martin Short show, so I couldn't. I finally got to meet with Lauren, and he said, "You know, Tim's still on the show, but I can house you as a writer. That's been done before. Would you do it?" I said, "Yes." Yeah, that was a that was a hard transition for me. I um, especially because I had kind of established myself, and it was more of a hard transition professionally than it was like just the weather and the, the crowds and whatever, um, because I just. Had, you know, worked on a lot of shows. Right. And saw how how it worked, and and SNL does not work that way. And for most people, their first experience on television is that show, where I had done a few shows, and so it was, for me, it was just like this isn't the way it. We don't people don't stay up late at night to write a show. Right. That's just ridiculous. Why don't people go home? You know, <laughs> but it's not the way it's done. Most shows aren't done live. Most shows aren't written in a week. You know, right. it's just like there's stuff that you just have to go. Whatever, throw your hands up and see what happens, you know. Or and that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize uh, about the show is like it, it is really written in a week. It really, really like sketches aren't held over. That's just not done, you know. Like you can write a sketch one week, and you'd think like, oh yeah, well you guys must have a backlog. You, you write a lot of sketches, stuff isn't done. You must like stuff, and you just keep it. That just that does not happen. That's crazy. I've it heard just that goes away. Yeah. So so you you got done there now. So you didn't go back to set. You went for one season. I was on one season. Yeah. Okay, and then I, I read in your thing, they didn't have the budget or they hired new members or some. I, I think it's just some of that floating BS. <laughs> well, I mean, I I really did have a rough time there. I, um, I, you know, I really wish I'd have enjoyed it more. But again, like I said, I had an experience in television before that. And so for me, it was a little bit harder to 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 put up with and wait, you know, actually, too, at that point. There were 13 people. I think they have more now, but there were 13 people in the cast, and I was the last person to come in out of all these people who are really, really talented. So, you know, there was I was going to have to wait, and I didn't want to wait. So, so you came back to L.A.? I came back to L.A. Okay, yeah. so now what do you do when you get back here? Because now you're coming back. Now, people do know you, though, so it's not... Right. And you're also coming off, you know, you were like, you know, like the kid who left, went out of town, you know, <laughs> right. and then went for, you know, a job, but then came back... So and so, you were still had some heat out here because people probably knew you, and plus you had that SNL credit under you, right? Right, and you know, as you know, like at, at that time it was different. Now it's like you kind of ex- they kind of expect that they, they hire a certain bunch of people and then they're going to fire a certain bunch of people. They just that's just the way it happens. And out of those people, um, now there's been enough people who have been there, had a short time there, who have had really good careers. That is just like you know whatever. But at, at that time, it was like, what are you going to do now? You know? Um, but I came back, got right back in the thick of things, started writing. Um, I think the first thing that I did when I got back in town was I looked up Craig Robinson, and we started doing the Somebody's Doing My Lady. Now, how did you know Craig? <laughs> I had known him in Chicago, yeah. And uh, I had this idea for this song for years. I actually kind of wanted to do something like that on SNL, but I was like, eh. And uh, but knew that uh, he would be perfect for the whole bit, and so we got together, and then the bit was way better than the idea that I even had, you know. And it was just just a night of getting together and relaxing and thinking about you know the song and playing around and improvising, and then the next day we performed it at Largo, and then that Friday we were doing it on Bill Maher. Okay, so so that's yeah. cool. So you got back to really performing again, though, because that's exactly. how you performed. Did you get in any sketches in SNL? I did, I, and I, I got in more probably than I should have. <laughs> you know, because uh, for what I knew, uh, my experience there and stuff, um, I, I did get to do a, a, a few things in there. So, so you're doing that. So you're doing the sketch with uh, this thing with 
uh, Craig Robinson. So now, mm-hmm. what do you do then? I mean, because no, I mean, you guys were you doing it, you know, getting out and doing it in different clubs. I was going. I got out. Definitely got out and performed a lot. Did a lot of stuff in clubs. And so at that point, that was when I really started to develop. Like this is what I do. So I did a, a one man show when I was uh, during the summer uh, during the break of SNL uh, before I left the show. Did in New York. Did in Chicago. And then got a really good feel for like, oh, I can do these kind of bits. I don't have to do maybe state straight stand-up joke, set-up joke. I can do these characters. And I started doing that a lot around town. So, and a lot around at Largo and different spots, you know. And then even some of the clubs. That was when I really started to establish that. So people start noticing, you know, you, know, you just start getting called into be on shows now? Or? Yeah, yeah, I'm getting auditions. You know, so I get an audition with Louie, who was, uh, and, and at that point, too, I also uh, started writing. So I wrote for Cedric Entertainer's show that was on Fox. I uh, wrote for some other shows on uh, on MTV. Um, now, did you like writing, or did you like performing, or did you like both, or did you like writing? I mean, I think because if you're performing and doing characters, but you're also writing, I think it'd be something where, no matter, if you're writing for someone else, mm-hmm. you know in your heart that if it's something that comes from your heart, you know you can do it better. And, and, and unless it's like you're <laughs> writing funny. for, you know, Lucky Lou, or, you know, if you're writing for, right. you know, unless you're, you know, but you can, I'm sure you sit there, there's got to be something where you're like, when you write it, you got to sit there and go, wait a second, man, he should have delivered it like this, but you can't say anything because you're not the director. I think, did that ever go in your mind? Sometimes, but then, you know, there's sometimes where, like, you know, that's where you have to really give that up um, because every performer really does bring something special to to whatever they're doing. So I, I did this character for Cedric the Entertainer that was called the Chef Reverend. It was the first character I ever did, ever, in comedy. In Detroit, I did, used to do this character. And um, I pitched it to him. He really liked it. Now, and he, I was like, well, I did this. This is like the first character I ever did. He's like, are you sure you really want to give this to me? I'm like, well, I'm, I don't really plan on doing it anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he brought something to it that was so much different. The reason that I didn't want to do it anymore was because of the way he was so good at doing it. And you're probably bored of it. If it's your first character. It's like anything, you know, it's like people, you know, I, I left. I went back and, you know, because before Joanne moved out here, I was going back and forth back east. And I would go to the old the comedy clubs in the South Jersey area and mm-hmm. I'd perform. Because, you know, it was like one was like five minutes from her house. And I would just call and, you know, either I get booked or, you know, unlike L.A., you could sit there and go in and do, you know, so 20 sorry. minutes. Sorry. <laughs> it soothes me. It soothes me. But I would go in. <laughs> but I would sit there and I work with one of these acts. And, and the guy was doing the same, I mean, the same act from like 92. And I'm like, how? I mean, I, I, I sat there and it's like, how do you do that? You must just be, I mean, the same act. Not, not like a thing here, a thing there. Like the same damn act. And I'm like. You've got to. You have to grow. I mean, how can you go in all those years after, and probably if you were the character, you can't just keep doing it because you're probably like, God, you know, you come home and you feel like, God, that was dumb. Well, I have a really hard time doing something twice. Okay. You know, (laughs) I get bored after doing it twice. I I really had to learn the discipline of being a comic. That was one of the reasons why I'm doing stand up again now. Straight stand up is like, I really did. The reason I stopped doing this because I didn't like the discipline of doing the same joke over and over again. I try to change it, doesn't work, and I'm like, ah, I get bored with that. When you're acting, different script every time. Right. Um, you know, I did have a little bit of hard time at Second City with doing because you do sketches and you do shows every six months, and I would get into trouble sometimes for changing stuff like after the first night. You know, right? <laughs> of course. Night, next night I'm doing something different. So, yeah, I did, I did have to learn the discipline of, like, do it the same way. And also improvising, you know, having a base with that. Um, you, you know, you want to change stuff. So, so Cedric did the, uh, the chef character. He does the chef character, and he does it in a way where I'm like, oh, wow, I should have thought about doing that again. You know, it makes me want to do it again. Right. So, but you can't. <laughs> no, I can't because he does it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, damn. It's like, it's, like it's, in, it's like when you trade a baseball card when you're a kid and the player sucks and you're like, in the next year the guy has like 50 home runs. You're like, oh, can I have oh. that back? No. Yeah. You, you gave it to me. Yeah, but I, you didn't give me anything for it. So you're doing that. And so now the Louis, how, now how did Lucky Louie come, come about? We were both writers on Cedric. And I, I knew Louie in New York when I was in New York uh, doing SNL. Um, and Jim Norton was on that show too, right? Jim Norton was on, um, and um, he saw me. You know, I, I auditioned for him. I think for the show before. Uh, I think I auditioned twice. I auditioned, and he's like, eh, "I want somebody older." He told me, "I want somebody a little bit older, somebody more serious." 
And I was just like, okay, whatever. And then he had me come back after he saw me in a club doing something that was totally unrelated to that character. And he's just like, oh, this is really funny. I want to see you do it again. And he really was good at letting me, he had a kind of a different idea on what that character was. I mean, he didn't change the lines or anything, but just kind of the attitude. And he let me um, do what I wanted. And it and, worked. And that was a good show. And I think, but once again, I mean, it was what, 2008, 2006, mm -hmm. which is weird. It's, a, it's only like seven years ago. But I think even seven years ago, people didn't want to, watch stuff like 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 now we're we're lucky we're cable i mean you look at if you look mm -hmm. at the emmy awards almost everything is cable because like amc is brought where the bad guy looks good mm -hmm. you know and you know and comedy has come with the you know i mean who would have thought larry david i mean how could mm -hmm. he have a show because he's and you were on that were you on curb i i was on curb yeah <laughs> well, <laughs> what, what, first time what did you play i yeah it's funny because i got i auditioned so many times for that show and i actually played a guy who got along with him because you know usually when you audition it's, it's a fight you know right right <laughs> everything's a fight and i'm like i, did, I got to, we just like got along great <laughs> i played a guy who he left a computer and i found it i remember, and, I remember that episode yeah and then he, yeah and you never and then i got arrested because uh, yeah he thought it was jb smooth <laughs> <laughs> who, who was also on the subject entertainment show that's funny but no so so but so but that's like now like because like like the day where people like him you know mm -hmm. it's like but people even though you know i mean i think because people have gone gotten over that you know we don't need all these nice people but for the louis ck it was it was just different it was out there and it wasn't like hey it wasn't back even like seven eight years ago it was still the comedy like hey you know you know what i'm talking about like the the, the punch like it was well, you it was, know it was more you know too it was in front of an audience it was this the sitcom form that we're so used to that's precious to us i mean we all grew up on that right. we grew up with you know Cosby, and oh, yeah, all stuff that. Like I mean, that. you know, Cheers, Mash, yeah, um, All in the Family, uh, the Jeffersons. Right. I mean, there's tons of them. You sat there, even even when you got the shows like you know Family Matters and Saved by the Bell, mm -hmm. or whatever. They were still very formulaic. Yes, and that's the thing. Right. So he kind of turned it on his end when you see people swearing in it and you see nudity. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's jarring. And I think that, you know, something like that would have definitely had to taken taken a, a few years for people to like kind of get into it. But I was amazed at the kind of people who really appreciated the show and really the fans of the show were the the people who he was actually going after were working class people. It wasn't the usual fans of HBO shows. Which now, did I, you I shoot that in New York or LA? Here, here. Okay, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't want to um, like whatever um, you know generalize uh, fans of shows, but you know, generally, um, you know, HBO shows uh, a lot of fans who at least at the beginning are affluent. You know, yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah you're not going to see you know a working class guy watching Big Love or, right. or Six Feet Under. Right. They're not going to watch that because well now I mean now they will. But, I mean, but I mean, back then though, you're right. It was it was people who afford could afford cable, mm -hmm. and then you know so. But that was starting to change then. Oh, so yeah. you know, I I get like <laughs> I was in Harlem one night and I was like. Uh, coming back uh, or uh, taking a plane there and I, I I was dating a girl and I took an early morning flight and so it was like five in the morning and I'm dragging a, a, a suitcase down the, uh, the street in Harlem scared and a guy comes up to me and I'm like I'm getting robbed he's gonna take my stuff and he's got I got really nice shoes in here and he's just like yo lucky Louie like, you know that those were usually the people that would come up to me you know uh, about that show and they love that show now what was it like being recognized i mean you know because i mean that must be weird you know you know i mean because before then were you recognized from other stuff i mean once again the mr show isn't going to have show. but well, th that's a very yes. small crowd it's like it's like but it, fervent yeah, oh yeah exactly <laughs> but it's all i compare like the people like those you know off-kiltered shows are mm -hmm. the same people who are trekkies like right. they they know you they mm -hmm. love you they know and i've had people who are in, like robert picardo was on star trek and he said when they came they knew his whole career mm -hmm. you know and just different things that you get those niche crowds yes and for uh you with mr show you had that but it must have been weird because there's a whole different crowd for the lucky louis that's right that's right. Yeah, because I miss the show people. I could see them like from, you know, a mile away. Right. I see them coming. You know, I can know the way they're dressed. You know, I used to go uh, when I would, you know, if I was working on something, I was out of town and I'd want to go out and somewhere I go, take me to a place where there's kind of like, you know, alternative music and, you know, because I know that there's going to be some fans, <laughs> some Mr. Show fans, and I'll meet, maybe I'll meet somebody I know or somebody who can tell me, where, you know, where to go. Um, 
Yeah, I can just see them from a mile away. But yeah, that was different because it was like working class people. And that's why I was kind of surprised because those, you know, usually fans, I can see them coming from a mile away. It's like, okay, this guy recognizes me or whatever. You see somebody staring at you. In this instance, I thought I was going to get killed. See, that's crazy. It's so funny. I mean, it's just it's it's just weird how people, you know, and it's one thing you can't judge people. I mean, you know, it's like, it's just, that's what cracks you up. You know, it's like, you know, when you see the guy in Venice Beach rolling around playing a guitar, you know, uh-huh. with his tight, tight, Star Spangled Speedos. That guy also owns like all these buildings down there. The guy's like a millionaire. <laughs> so you sit there, and people go, oh, "He's just some homeless guy trying to make money." No, he just—he's been down in Venice for so long. He's probably bored and going, "Well, I got nothing else to do. I'm renting all this stuff out," you know. So, so Lucky Louie gets canceled. Now, now were uh-huh. you bummed when it got canceled, or did you think it would run, or did you think, okay, this isn't going to go that long, or what was your look going into it? Um, I mean. I was bummed that it got canceled because I, I definitely was one that, that, that was thinking, like, we were really experimenting. You know, I really felt like we were just flying at the seat of our pants at doing, from doing other shows. And I felt like, you know, when we get this down, this is really going to be something special. So I was disappointed. But at the same time, I was working, like, I, I was doing a pilot for HBO at that time. So, you know, I had stuff going on. I was, you know. Then what was the pilot about? It was a sketch pilot. Okay, that didn't get picked up. No, so that must suck. I mean, well, it, it's always I always sit there and I talk to people that they say, you know, you get bummed and it gets bummed that you didn't get picked up. But then I always say, you know, you have to be happy that you actually got that opportunity, though. And it's not it's not always it's not always the person. Like I had a I had a guest on who did a pilot that was with Clooney. It was uh, do you know Jamie Keller? Uh-huh. He was uh-huh. it was with Clooney. I know what it is. And uh someone out and like they said, Quit your day job, this is gonna happen. It was all these people connected. I mean it's like Clooney produced it and it doesn't get picked up. And you sit there and you go, You can't get frustrated. I mean it's frustrating, but at least you got the chance to get in and it might just be that for for some reason beyond your control. Yeah, well this one, um I uh, I I I ended up getting an opportunity to do a, a, a sitcom that paid me so much money that it didn't it, it really didn't affect me so and, and it, it, it was either or so and that was did you was that carpoolers uh-huh. okay so now that was on abc yes yes okay so how so did I that come done both of those so did they just know about did you have to audition for that or did they come get i auditioned for it okay now now tell how many times did you go in like a lot of times people seem to go in when it's for a pilot they go in they go in they go in they go in um well I mean, it was. I didn't. I wasn't necessarily auditioning, um, but I had to do a lot of uh, uh, work sessions, which is where you just work with the producer. Um, you're not necessarily like okay. Well, some of those are auditions sometimes, <laughs> where you like they're telling you like you're just going to work with the with the producers, and then they're going to producers are going to take you to the network, and then you're going to audition. So they're going to rehearse with you or whatever. Now I have I've been in situations where that's supposed to happen, but then when I'm working to produce, that's the audition. I'm like, wait a minute, I thought we were working, but in this instance, it was actually like working with Bruce McCullough and uh, the Russo brothers, or who produced the show, and then figuring out what the character was, and then going in front of the network and doing it. So you do that, you, the show gets picked up, which is, must be great. So you, yeah, yeah, I was completely shocked, surprised, whatever. Because you know, I mean, I guess after the the, with the pilot not getting picked up, you're probably hesitant. You're like, it's like anything. You can't get too like, hey, yeah, it's going to get picked up. You know, you know, you want it to, but it, you have to sit there and put yourself in check sometimes. The money was so much different. <laughs> okay. And then I think that year I did I'd done a few pilots too. I'd done a few, um, uh, uh, um, whatever network pilots, and also it, during those years too, the money was so good doing those pi- you know i still regret not forcing and 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 seeing that pilot through uh or trying to do another one or whatever but um man it's just i just that money was <laughs> so good i mean that's still you so know? so you did you did carpoolers for two seasons one season once and then i got strike oh, okay so so that must have sucked because you that's now what, was sucked. it was it getting good ratings uh yeah it, yeah it was getting decent ratings um so you thought you would have probably been back for a second season? Yeah, I don't know. You know, everything, everything got thrown. I mean, you know, during that crucial point, you know, um, it was before like I think there were sweeps that that uh, the the strike happened. So now how pit? I mean, did you get no. pissed? I mean, could you sit there going? I mean, I'm a writer too, so I gotta get you know. <laughs> yeah, but but it's like it's gotta sit there and say, you know, I finally well, got this, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, damn. Well, it was weird too because we did a few shows without writers, 
because there were scripts they already had scripts and so we had to take the scripts that they had and just try to do our, the best that we could with them that was strange it was strange going to work while there was a picket line i didn't like doing that right and plus also could you are a writer so i mean yeah it's not like if you're just an actor it's no, it's no big i mean and you don't i mean for unionized you don't want to cross but when you're also a writer you got to sit there and go i'm from a union town so right. so i so i in i would never pick it i don't I don't want to do that. I'm not good at it. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? Crap, but I had to. When they, when they had the actors strike, uh-huh. I, I remember because I just moved out here and uh, I remember they sat there and like people who were picketing, they were giving SAG vouchers to. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, that sort of sucks. You know, like if you're like some old actor who's been like in this non-union stuff and there's more equity and he can't get a SAG card and then someone goes out with a... Uh, a picket Aside. and it's like that, that would suck <laughs> it's like damn man and I'm sitting back I said I should have done it man I would have got sag I would have hey you know hey don't you know I'm not, are you a member of the union no that's what's funny is you're not a member of the union but you're picketing for it to get right. into the union that, that's striking <laughs> it made, made no sense I know so. I uh, I mean, yeah, I was a little bit pissed off at that but and, you know then again I, I, have, I signed a holding deal during that season too so you know, during the time that nobody was working, I was getting paid, which was really, I felt really uh, weird about that, but I took the money. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, you know, you have it offered to you. You can't. But, and why they gave me it, I was just like, um, there, there's no work being done. They're like, well, the strike's going to end. If you want to pay me while well, no work's being done, that's fine. But that seems really ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so what happened when the strike ended? Uh, strike ended. Uh, my olden deal was over, and I didn't get cast in anything on ABC. Yeah, so I had a deal. I had to had to stick with that network. Um, the and then you know the thing happens. The same thing happened to me at HBO. The regime changed. You know, so all the people that were, you know, the person that gave me the holding deal, not there the next season. Right. So he didn't care. You know, whoever takes his job doesn't care if I get cast or anything. Um, you know, that's but that's just the way it is. So you're doing that. So now, where do you go? What do you start working on? Uh, um, so after the strike, uh, what was the next thing I did? I, I, I've done, um, a few things of community. Well, when did you do it? I know, I know Arrested Development you did. Arrested Development. You yeah, played, I did a few. The, the cop, those cops are great. Right, right. Yeah. Now, how did that come about? Because that's also, you know, I was talking to someone about, we were talking about Arrested Development. And when you look at it. It's amazing. I know I, I didn't watch the last Netflix season. I'll be honest, but the first three I think of seasons I watched. I didn't watch produced by Netflix. The last one, but it was amazing how well written that show was. I mean, it was just sick how good that show was. And did you feel that when you like you went onto the cast? Did you sit there and go, man, because that show is something special? Well, that one I read. Uh, I read the pilot because <clears throat> that, that, that year I was reading all the pilots or whatever, and uh, and I read that pilot and I really liked it and knew that it was going to be a good show. And then uh, David Cross, who worked with on Mr. Show, was a friend of mine, uh, got cast. And I knew they were cast. That was a show that I was pretty aware of before, um, before they, they got on the air. You know? And then by the time it got on, uh, I really wanted to do something on it. And I kept um, bugging. I, I, I knew had some friends on it and, and gotten to know some of the producers and kept bugging people to hey, get me a chance on there. And... Um, casting director finally called me in and it was for a non-speaking role and i didn't know that before i got to the audition and i was so pissed and i've never like been uh so nasty with a casting director <laughs> well because yeah it must suck because you sit there and you know the people and you and you it's not like it's not like you haven't been in anything it's like yeah. you know you you've, you've worked you've worked in this town then you show up and then you're like wait i just gotta stand here well when i i told her i was just like you know we're friends i was like i wouldn't have come i wouldn't have came all the way out here because i had to go all the way out to fox or whatever i was like i'm going to come all the way across town for this i really want to do the show but i don't want to do not spot speaking role <clears throat> ended up doing the role she's like well Look, I'll tell you this, you'll, you'll probably do it if you want to do it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'll do it. Ended up doing it was not a speaking role, but it ended up becoming, you know, those cops, and they did put in more episodes and stuff. So you've worked on some really cool shows. Now, you went back to HBO, you worked on Eastbound and Down. Uh-huh, yes. Now, did that come because you knew McKay, or did, I mean, how did that whole thing show up? Because that was a show that, man, when I, I, I it's my girlfriend always says, that's a guy show. Uh-huh. Like, and I'll tell you, man, I, and I'm a baseball fan, when I watched the first season, I was howling. Uh -huh. I was just dying because it's just, it's so, and I grew up watching like when John Rocker was around and when 
the relievers had the mullets, like <laughs> like like uh, Kenny Howard. Whatever what's his name, Ken, what's his name, Kenny Kenny, Kenny Powers. Powers. But uh, so how'd that come apart? Because you know, I know because I know Craig Robinson also ended up being on it, and I know a lot of you know I, I I've heard you know like uh, what's his name? who blew Kenny Powers? What's his name? I can't think of his, the actor's name. Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> he, oh God, forget. I, you know who I'm talking. About. Yeah, yes. He, uh, but he was when was North Carolina Film School, I guess, uh-huh. and then that's how I guess McKay and those guys found him. Or yeah, well, I don't know if you've ever seen the the, the first film that he did, the um, Kung Fu one, Kung Fu. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Um, so yeah, and, and that was how I found out about him because um, Adam gave me um, a DVD of it. Um, the, what was it? The Fist Foot Way. So he yeah he gave me a DVD. He's like, you gotta see this guy. This guy's so funny. And the Fistfoot Way, it's not a great film. It's not made well. You know, it's just you know, it looks like a film student project, but it's really funny. And uh, said they were trying to work with this guy to do this show. Danny so, McBride. Danny McBride. That's I can't it. believe I skipped. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of it. I can't believe I skipped. Yeah. So so you do it. So now, how does Eastbound Down come apart about? Um, yeah, same thing. Adam, uh, they were they were working with this guy, and he said, uh, you know. You, we want you to do something on the show and they fi- it actually did find like a character for me to play it, it, they really did fit me in it's not i mean they really did they have a world already you know but yeah they found this character for me to play and yeah, it was fun it's cool because they got some really good guests on there too i mean like don johnson coming on and all these people it's just so random when don Kinda johnson hit. shows up yeah it must be cool yeah. so now community uh-huh now have you been on through the were you on through the very from the very beginning of that or yeah yeah I've always been the janitor. Now, what was that like? Because they went through the writing strike. I mean, the the thing as on the set, does that affect you? Because you go in and you probably get to know the set. You get to know the different actors. Well, yeah, I was um, friends with the creator with Dan um, before we did a. Me and actually, we did a. Me and Craig did a pilot with Dan um, that didn't go for Fox uh, years back. But um, uh, yeah, it. It was weird that the changeover uh, was strange, but for me, I, I don't, you know, I just come in and do my part, so I don't get to see a lot of the writers or whatever. Maybe once in a while, maybe Dan will come down, but during the later seasons, I never saw him. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of that stuff had changed. So it really didn't, it really wasn't that different on set, you know. I mean, obviously the the show was different, the scripts were different, but they they ran the show the same way. You know, at, at that point, what they had been on for five years, right? So it was kind of like. You know, autopilot. So I know you said, you know, you, you, you're doing voice stuff too. Mm-hmm. Now, how did that come about? Because, you know, I mean, you write, you act, you, know, you do the voice stuff. I mean, I think, you know, did, did someone say, hey, you, you have a good voice for this? Or did you have to, because you had done characters on stage, did that come into it? Well, no, I mean, I, I, you know, like probably like everybody else, when you move to LA, if you're an actor or a comedian or whatever, if you get an agent, they're going to try to get you, it's like, hey, you should try to do some voice work, you know? And you try it, and if you're that, if you're good at it, you do it. And if you're not, you're not. And I, I don't think I was good at it. I auditioned for things for voiceover commercial. I don't think I have that kind of voice. Um, I, I did some voices for an MTV show. Um, I can't even, I can't even tell you what the name of it was, but it was an animated, kind of an animated show. But the voices were imitations. I was doing imitations of uh, of celebrities. Are you are you good at impersonating? Have you always been? At no. That? But uh, they needed somebody to do it. They needed somebody who could do a lot of vo- different voices, uh, as opposed to bringing in a bunch of people to do right. know, one person for. So I was, you know, jack of all trades kind of person where I could do a decent, you know, impression. Not good at any of them, but a decent impression of a lot of things. And um, and in that 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 was what I found. Like I, I can do that. I can do character voices. So uh, so cartoon stuff. You know, I can uh, have done. And then uh, Brickleberry was, um, again, uh, me uh, kind of familiar with the guys that created it. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with Howard Stern's show, but both of those guys were kind of guests. Or Yuckle the Clown was a, a character from Howard Stern's show. And I knew him from that. And uh, he really wanted me to, to do this, uh, the character. Now, you also, you did Crank Yankers, did you? I did, yes, yeah. So yeah. you know Jim, then Florentine. Yes, you know we're back. Well, I knew Jim from uh, from Artie. I did uh, the Artie uh, Lang's movie, uh, Beer League. Okay, and he was in it. Well, because Jim back, you know, back you know, God years ago, he had like long blonde hair. He was Jim and Jim. That was his yeah. name, and he used to do all like these heavy. Yeah, he, yeah. He wore these real tight white jeans. And it's <laughs> well, he still wears. Yeah, but I mean, no, these were like because he was on the show on time, and he looks a lot different. He had like the rock and roll hair and these yeah. tight white. jeans. I remember me him. 
and Levy would Bobby Levy would do some uh-huh. shows together, and we all like leather, and we just look like dopes. <laughs> <laughs> we were like in Ocean City, Maryland, and I think we were in Tracy's at the Bowman or whatever. And it was like you go and you check in the hotel, and you just look like dopes because uh-huh. we're, we're all there. I had hair then; I had long hair, and Levy had his. You know, Levy still looks the same, and it was just funny. So, so you, you did you enjoy doing the voices? I mean, because you're not getting instant gratification when you know. Well, I mean, you are. Well, crank yankers, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, because people are because you're messing with people. <laughs> but did you, how did, you, did was it hard to keep a straight face when people got a or a straight voice when people got all? <clears throat> um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, sometimes. Um, but that one was the thing with crank yankers was uh, they did that in Vegas because you can't because of the law. Okay, right? you can't record phone calls without somebody's knowledge, two party, whatever thing in California. So they would they would fly you to Vegas. And you do the show in a studio or whatever, and you fly back to L.A. Vegas is bad for me. So for me, it was like I was so hungover when I was doing the show because I don't know why I decided to take my extra day before I taped the show, but I did. And so that was when I did all my gambling and drinking, and then I did the show, and that was rough. Well, because Vegas, you can't help it. They're, they're, yeah. you know, like, they keep come bringing you drinks, and they keep bringing you, and they're free. And you sit there, and if you give the girl a good tip, then you know you get three drinks instead right. of one because people don't know that people are like well the service stinks well then give the girl five bucks and tell her bring me two drinks back and they say well can i said well come on and they go wow it's five bucks people are like well that's a lot for a tip i'm like you just paid f- 250 a drink, drink you're it's, right, it's right. Like, don't be an idiot you know? <laughs> well people go to casinos to drink for free because they're gambling yeah know? well what's your drink of choice when you go to gamble uh, scotch, okay. which is bad for that. I I don't I don't drink like that anymore. But uh, when I did, yeah, yeah was scotch was always scotch. Always it tastes good, but the next day you just feel oh, it. You it sit really there and you go. Like, oh my god, my head is killing me. Such a chemical, you right? Know? You can just feel <laughs> this chemical in my body. It's poison. It's crazy. Now I want to talk to you. Now I, I saw in your IB that IMDb. I have not seen this, and I'm gonna tell you straight up front. But I've heard it's hysterical, and. My girlfriend actually brought it up. She goes, "We gotta watch it." The the Hot Wives. Oh yeah, yeah. Now that's with uh the one girl from uh that's my who's in that? There's the one girl from Saturday Night Live. Yeah, who was uh, on Casey, Casey Casey Wilson, Wilson is in it. Um, there's, there's I mean the, the female. Look, I mean I'm gonna say that it it really does focus on the on the girls in the show, right? Just like it, it should. Um, the guys are. I mean I I think we're all funny, and there's a lot of funny guys in it. Um, but uh, it's definitely the the girl show. Now, how'd that come about? They just they knew you and said, "Hey, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely." Now, that's on Hulu or no? Or is that it's a- on Hulu? Okay, yeah. yeah. I haven't watched all of them yet. I've only watched the first two. Now, do you do you watch stuff that you're in? Like, I mean, like you know, I mean, like, okay, you were an Anchorman too. Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, of course, you're gonna watch that because you didn't have a huge part, right? And of course, you want to see the show because I mean, I liked it. A lot of people were like, oh, Anchorman." See, I always tell people the funny thing about Anchorman one, and you probably know this because you've known Adam for a long time. All those, all those lines that he does, like uh, mm-hmm. gun show, he, they're his. Like uh-huh. people think, like people think, oh yeah, oh yeah, the those lines. No, no, he made them up. That's what people don't get. So, uh-huh. so when you watch it, and you know him better than me because I haven't seen him, Scott, since ninety two or ninety three. Uh-huh. It's so it must be weird for you when you watch like a movie like that to see one of your friends that you they really are in it like their dialogue it's really what they say yeah I mean and for me too I I love it when it's like that when I get the 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 uh, the whatever range to be able to improvise or whatever because it's so much better for me when I watch it and I'm like excited and, and you know I'm surprised I'm actually watching it like a fan as opposed to I didn't do that line right or I wish I would have done I had another crack at that or they took that they, that's the thing that they took they should have taken another you know take or whatever but when you're improvising you're just like I'm, I didn't I don't know what happened um, you know for like right now I do Brickleberry this cartoon I'm always shocked I'm always surprised at different voices because I forget the different voices right. that I do. So I'm like, oh, that was me. <laughs> That's great. Good job, Jerry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like the Hot Wives thing, that's one that I watched because I uh, I, I tore my uh, ACL in October. And so while we were shooting Hot Wives, I just had surgery. I mean, like the week before. I was like, should not have been doing it. I heard that's so painful, man. It is. I've done it to both knees. Oh, God. How? Basketball. Don't play anymore. That's what my dad said. It's like my friend of mine. A friend of mine. I'm. I just turned fifty. You're over forty. A friend of mine's like. Fif, my friend's like fifty three, and he plays in these softball tournaments, and he's great. But he always goes and he plays ice hockey. He's like, yeah, uh-huh. man, I'm knocking these young guys on your on their asses. I go, how do you feel the next day? And he's like, awful. I go, don't play anymore. Yeah. There's a point where we we can't really unless you're going to play like an old man's league. 
right? Then it's fine. But I mean, two A's, two torn ACLs. I mean, damn. I know. Well, I tore one twenty years ago, and then, <laughs> and then one last year. Yeah, that's exactly what my dad said. He's like, you, you can't play anymore, and I'm like, ah. but uh, right now I've, I'm I'm back to playing just by myself. Okay, well that's fine. Just don't don't be, you know. So we have about four minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. What else is going on now? Why did you decide to get back into stand up? Because I felt like, you know, the, the reasons like, you know, I didn't do it because of discipline, uh, fear, uh, and because uh, I found something else that was so much easier. And I'm like, eh, why, why just do something just because it's tough? It is tough. Everybody says stand-up is tough. We know it's tough. There's some nights when you just can't figure out why something is working or why something is not working. Sometimes you just can't figure it out. And for me, that was just so inexact and so frustrating when I first started doing it that it was just easier just to do sketch and I could think in that in those terms. But I felt like I had such a long, a big notebook of jokes and stuff that I wanted to talk about and things that I wanted to talk about. And also, I think I felt like um, I became, um, you know, I was more of a chameleon when I first started. I was more interested in being different characters. And now I'm kind of interested in, in people seeing who I am and talking as myself. So, so what topics do you hit on? Like, what do you write? Like, for me, I mean, I got out of stand-up for a long time, and I, I do it every once in a while, but I, I host this show that no one ever shows up in my friend's bar. <laughs> but it's great. I, I'm doing the storytelling thing now, because I, ah, I yeah. always wrote jokes, and I did jokes, and, you know, and I'll go and say, I mean, I'll like, you know, two months ago, I'll go up at the Ice House. I do mm-hmm. my act, but then I'm like, I get off, and I'm like, everyone's like, great set, but then I'm like, yeah, it's not the stories, because it's hard to go when there's a full house. You don't want to take that chance. Right. But, but, but for you, I mean, what kind of material are you writing? Storytelling, too. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm doing topical stuff, too, because I do want to talk about topical stuff. So I'm mixing that, that kind of stuff in. But I'm really trying to talk about myself and tell stories about myself. Well, I think as we get older, that's true. I think we get tired of the setup, 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 boom. You know, mm-hmm. setup, 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 boom. Because that's like, you get tired. Like, you know, it, it's you sit there and you get up and it gets laughs. But I think... I think after you've been in the business for a long time, and I was away from it for a long time, so I missed the transition to where it like just changed completely. Mm-hmm. And now getting back into it, when I first did my act again, people were like, oh, that's really funny. Where you been? I said, no, oh, believe me, I was on the road for eight years. I stepped around. <laughs> but now it's more freeing, but it is scary because one, we're, we're older, mm-hmm. and you don't want to look like a dope, and you you have a lot of good credits, and then you go and people go, you know how comics are. They go, oh, yeah, that guy was on TV. Oh, I, I can be on TV. Right. So where are you performing at? Where are some of the clubs? Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to be, next week I'm going to be in the, um, the graveyard. Uh, but I've been at... Um, in the graveyard? Yeah, they're doing the show. Uh, some guys from um, the Improv that were booking a show at the Improv that I did uh, last month are booking this show, the stand-up show, at Hollywood Forever. Okay, yeah, okay. I just saw uh, Jake Weissman and some guys mm-hmm. were there a while mm-hmm. ago. So uh, I'm doing it next week. Um, yeah, I don't know why I decided, like early in the stand-up to do something. I, I don't like graveyards at all. Why I'm doing something that right. <laughs> it'll freak me out. Exactly. <laughs> but but I think it, it should be a good show. But I, I've, I've been enjoying it. I've been up at the Improv, been at the Laugh Factory, done some stuff at UCB, done some stuff at Largo. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just looking to do do more stuff to get back it's up. It's good. It's good. It's always good because you work the chops. I and mean, you, you know, once you get back in, you, you do, it does come back to you very quick. And that's the thing. And you have the sketch background. So you know what it's like being on stage. I feel bad for these people who've never done it and they want to start out here and they go, have to go to these God dreadful coffee houses where people aren't listening. When you're skilled, you can go in there and you can get the crowd's attention. But when you're new, it must suck sometimes. When I first started, I used to do this open mic in North Hollywood. That was run by, and I know a lot of people in town, if they're listening to this, they know it was run by, and I'm using this as a pejorative, a transvestite, who was like the worst transvestite in the world. It was like slap a wig on and <laughs> lipstick, be- full beard, but just a dress. And he would open this theater up and host this show that was an open mic, and it would be nobody but comics. And, uh, uh, you know, Retta, Retta, um, Retta the Joke Diva from... From Parks and Recreation was one of the comics that started. A lot of comics like uh, are, that I see now on television and stuff w- would be in that room. But yeah, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> we got to wrap up soon. Uh, do, are, are you are you on the Twitter? Do you have a social media? Do you tweet or do, what do you, where can people find you? Uh, I am on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Willie for Crack. Now, do you tweet a lot? Uh, no, because it's a character. Okay. <laughs> you know what? But I get away with a lot more as a character because I can always go like, I, I, that, you, should, you should do it pers- You should do a personal twit too. Phil yeah, Henry does that. Tr- Phil Henry does himself and then he does a character. Well, then I'll get in trouble. 
Because I'll end up saying something that, you know, that's attributed to me. No, dude. Oh, yeah. I love whatever. Well, see, now I just, I'll, I'll say stuff that I feel, but it's just this character. So I, I can always, I can right. <laughs> always have this uh, protection. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's nice meeting you. We, uh, we have you. a lot of friends coming. People, so check them out. Uh, what is it? Willie for Crack? Willie for Crack. Willie yeah. for Crack at Twitter. Follow me at Twitter, at Cooper Talk. I, I tweet a lot. I tweet some jokes there. Also, uh, if you have the uh, Google uh, Google stuff, go to the uh, uh, Play Store and go to the Cooper Talk app. You can get it on your uh, tablet and your phone. It's uh, I have about same as my website, coopertalk.net. I have about I have 280 episodes up. So go check it out. iTunes, Stitcher, go to them. Cooper Talk, one word. Every Tuesday, crappy comedy at Jimmy's Place. Show starts at 9, no omission. Quick show, in and out. It's an hour. Come out. No one's ever in there. You get a good seat. Where's it at? And I get some good... It's, uh, it's in Burbank on San Fernando Boulevard. Okay. Follow me on Twitter and you'll find out, people. So yeah, keep listening. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a great day and I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>